One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, welcome to Writer's Routine. This is the show that does exactly what it says on the tin. My name is Dan Simpson and every week we take a look at the daily ritual of an author and a creative type to try and learn the secrets of their success. Now this week we speak to Jerry Rose, who's a thriller writer and he dabbles in kids books as well. And we'll talk about whether he thinks he's creative or not and how he feels about that, how his day job helps his writing, and also we get arty and talk about how he channels the voice. It's when I come to type it onto the computer, I need the voice to be with me. You know, I read some of the the stuff that I've written and I go, I don't know who wrote that. You know, it's like, it's almost like I didn't even know I had that in me. It's all on the way on this week's Writer's Routine. So this is episode 11 of Writer's Routine already. And I know it's a little bit twee uh, when you kind of put it in context of other podcasts, usually on American NPR, and they exhaustively list how many episodes they've done, all the awards that they've won. But 11 for me is, is really nice because what started out as a little whim to kind of help me get better at my own lazy, scattered writing schedule. And, and it was also a way of just keeping busy by chatting to interesting authors, you know, giving me something to do. And now it's become something and that's incredible. And it can become something even more as well. It just needs you to get involved. If you're enjoying writer's routine and you've already told like-minded people face-to-face to give it a listen, well, why don't you try and do that online as well? And the best way you can get involved is to get to the iTunes podcast store and leave this show a review. Now, five stars really helps out with the chart. Drop your name as well so I know you're there, that you're listening, that you're loving it. And this will really help out, I promise. This show could become something really ginormous, I think. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll get on American NPR radio. Maybe I could even one day be sponsored by MailChimp. All I do is need your help. Just get to the iTunes podcast store, get involved and leave Writer's Routine a review. Now, today's chat is with Jerry Rose, who is a thriller writer who I met a few weeks ago on on the release of the second book in his Elliot series, which is called Rinsed. And it's a really interesting conceit, right? Because it's almost not like a standard straight off the bat 
book. It's more a series of interwoven stories and character studies. He describes it as being almost 300 different short stories. And it's all set in London in 2005, which you might remember is just after the Olympic announcement uh, that we got the games and then the 7-7 bombings the next day. And it was during two weeks that Jerry says could change everything. Uh, It's not all that he's done either. He's published three kids books. There's The Mole Man Part 1 and 2 and there's Giraffe Box George as well and they were inspired by bedtime stories that he would tell his kids on holiday. Now two things for me really stand out about Jerry's writing routine. Uh, Number one, he absolutely blitzes it out. Like these books aren't a slow burning work of torture like many authors uh, would painstakingly have you believe. It's easy for him. He just gets an idea, finds a few weeks in the diary, cracks it out and gets it published. And two, uh, he's almost embarrassed by the idea that he might be creative Now, we'll talk more about that in just a sec. Uh, Our Distinguished Diary, by the way, today, it features the weird and wonderful writing routine of Gertrude Stein, which is on the way after the point of the show. Uh, Our chat with Jerry Rose, a thriller writer who has an incredible, beautiful Scottish lilt, by the way. Uh, That's the accent, not like a stereotypical iron brew version of the exotic fizzy drink. My writing can be anywhere. It can be on a train, it can be on a plane, it can be anywhere I feel in the mood to just jot stuff down. I just start writing. And I, and I tend to get very intense in my writing. So I don't, I don't write... You know, I've been listening to your podcast, so it's really interesting. People say I get up at seven and I do two hours. I don't do any of that. I have another job, so I combine the writing with the other job. Um, and I gather and I gather and I gather and I gather... And then when I'm ready to write, I just go for it. I take a, just sit down for a week at a time and just write non-stop. So tell me, how are you then preparing? If you are, if you know that you're going to blitz out the book in, in, uh-huh. in one, two weeks, writing non-stop, uh-huh. how are you planning ideas? How are you jotting down notes while you are doing other things and getting on with your day? My other job is a management consultant. So I'm a very structured business person. And I thought when I started writing that I would be structured in the same way, and I'm not. I, I, you know, if I can't find the storytelling voice in my head, I can't write. So there's a sort of tone in my head that I find that tells a story, it dictates a story to me. So I have to find that voice. And once I find that voice, I don't let it go. I just stay with it. So in all the books I've written, I've written four books now, I know how it's going to begin. I'm very careful about making it quite impactful at the beginning and then I just follow the voices in my head I don't know how they're going to end I just let the characters develop the story develop it seems really easy to me I feel embarrassed saying that because it should be tough because I hear some of the guys talk about how hard it is I find it really easy to tell stories I travel a lot I mean I've worked in 23 different countries so uh, I've just gathered data all the time on where I could put scenes etc it's when I come to type it onto the computer and need the voice to be with me. You know, I read some of the, the stuff that I've written and I go, I, c- I don't know who wrote that. You know, it's like, it's almost like I didn't even know I had that in me for, for, for stuff to come out in that way and the tone and the, sometimes very sensitive, sometimes very aggressive. There's different approaches to it. And then if I think of the children's stuff, that's a totally different voice again altogether. You know, so when I wrote the first one, I found it very easy. When I came to write the second book in the same series, 
I couldn't find the voice for the second book. I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't get the same tone of voice for the book. Um, and the publishers rejected the first draft. They said, this is just not as good as the first one. And I was like, they're right, I know that. And I went away and I had to, I was on holiday and I found the voice on holiday and I thought, right, I'm, I'm in now. And I just didn't stop in case it would go away again. Um, so the two children's books, in total, probably took me less than two weeks to write altogether for the two books. You know, it's like, it sounds crazy. The thrillers I write with a prologue and an epilogue. So I know how the prologue is going to begin and I know how the entry into the, the real story following the prologue is going to be. After that, I just trust that the story will, will evolve. The characters will find things to do and say. The characters I haven't even thought about. I wake up one morning, I have a shower and I go, wow, where did he come from or she come from? And I just let them come into the book and I just let them come into the story. Um, and people who have read Runes and, and, and people that you know, value their feedback, they come and they go, where did he come from? I say, I, I don't know. You know, some of them, are, you know, as a structured management consultant, I feel embarrassed even saying it like that because it seems a bit airy-fairy. It seems a bit, you know, I've got to find a voice in my head. I just, it's not who I am. It's not the way I speak. Um, but that's just been the experience of it. Talking of you then as a management consultant, do you think perhaps that's why as you say you write it is so kind of musy it's so airy fairy because it's a break from the strict ordered routined life that being a management consultant must give yeah i was thinking about that this morning there's a few things they have in common i think the first thing is so i would describe myself as an engager you know i I walk into strange places every day of the week almost meet people for the first time i have to get to work really quickly and i think i think with the book it's like a bit like the books it's a bit like that i I get to work really quickly because i'm paid to be efficient and i think i can't i've not got a year to write a book i've just got to be efficient and get this done and i think the kids books the children's books you know my motivation for writing them was you know, my daughter actually said to me, you should write this story because a lot of the children's books just are just not very engaging. That was the phrase she used. Well, let's quickly touch on the Mole Man books then. Uh, so you've just come off the phone with your daughter uh-huh. and she uh-huh. says, my kids aren't reading, I need to get them engaged. Yeah. Go out there, write a book. Yeah. Why did she think that you would be the one to do that? And then how did you go away and think of the story to put it down? Well, I, when, when they were kids, I've got three kids who are in their 20s now and... When we were kids away on vacation and things, at night time, rather than read a book, we'd close the curtains, it'd be Spain, it'd be sunny, trying to get them to sleep. Close the curtains and I would tell them stories. And one of the stories I told them was this thing I made up called The Mole Man. And it was quite a scary story, it's quite dark. But what I realised is kids like to hear scary stories repeated because it makes them less frightening. They know what's coming next. Let's move on to... um to rinse then yeah. it's, it's the new book the show is about the writing routine though tell me about the very first day you started to write rinsed yeah. from the yeah. moment you woke up in the morning yeah. to then the moment you went to sleep yeah well let, let me take a step back and look at because rinsed is, is part of a trilogy that's in my head you know, it's a strategic guy so I think oh, I'll write one book I'll write three and the concept of the book is to tell the story of a young Irish detective from his 
first 10 years of his career so so the first book would be set in the 80s the second book is set in the 90s and the third book this one is set in the noughties so it's his his career so he's reaching the end of his career when we get to rinse i've got to rewrite the other stuff i've got to get the other two done but that was the concept what what was difficult was initially to think about that was to say like so where am i going to place this book in these stories and then i thought the best thing for me to do personally is to place it in real life. Rinse starts in 2005, in a week that London will never forget, is what we say in the book. And that's the week that the announcement of the Olympics coming to London was made. And then the, the following day was the 7-7 bombing. And I thought, that's a great week to start a story, because we can all remember it. It was a fascinating thing. So I'd, so I'd set it. And the other thing that really attracts me to the book, the idea of the, the thing, is to base it sort of in a way that people go, well, there's a lot of fact in here, and it's fiction. Are these true stories possibly true? And they're not. They're made up, completely made up. But there's enough in it for people to go, whoa. So once I've got the context and the place, the research is easy because you know, information is available. You know, my routine is quite simple. It's like I create time for it. So I say, right, I'm going to write for two weeks. I'm going to, I'll be at home or I'll be on holiday, or I'll be I'm going to write, and I just start. I'll start at 9 o'clock in the morning when I've got things tidied, ready, breakfast had, etc. Some people would say, oh, they write 1,000 words a day or 2,000 words a day or whatever. I write a section that makes sense from beginning to end. So a, a chapter, whether it be a long chapter or a short chapter, I don't like to leave something unfinished. So I'll write a, a, you know, four or five pages, leave it, go away, come back from lunch, sit down, review it, then go on to the next, and then say, okay, so am I ready to go into another section of the book? Um, because the way I've written the, the books, the way I try to write the books, is to, is to make people want to go to the next section. It's a big book, Rinse, it's 424 pages or something. And the feedback I'm getting is people saying, I've read it within a week. I've read it within three days. I've read it in four, four or five days, because... It allows them to do that. That's the only thing I plan is not big, long, detailed chapters that could leave the reader going, oh, I'm bored with this now, let's move on. Which I've read books where that happens. So all I need to do before I sit down is know how is this section going to start and where is it? And as soon as I do that, it's really, it, it comes... It, I, you know, I sound really arrogant to say that. It just comes really easy. <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's, it's, but I have to, in the shower, I go, OK, I'm going to start the section today about... So for example, the section, the day on which the Olympic was announced. I thought, right, where's the characters going to be? They're going to be in London. They're going to be in Henrietta Square. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to go to Trafalgar Square for the announcement at lunchtime. Bumph. Just sat down off it went that's as much planning as I do do you not know the ending how, how that section is going to end are you, are you thinking no. about the next section no I just I just do that piece finish it usually I would say it's 90% right at that time when I finish it and I go okay done have a break coffee whatever go back have a quick read if I'm happy with it I'll just leave it and then I come back and say okay I'm ready to go into I'm feeling energised enough to go into another section Right, how's that going to start? Where's that going to be? And I go start again. I just write another piece. So it's like, it feels like I'm writing 300 short stories. Yeah. And I want each chapter to be feel like 
a short story that's at beginning and an end so that people can go, done, move on now. It's, it's, it's interesting. We'll get the second part of our conversation with Jerry Rose in just a sec. Stay there. Next, we've got Distinguished Diaries. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Right, time for Distinguished Diaries then. This is our weekly look at a weird and wonderful writing routine from history. And today, it's Gertrude Stein. Now, Stein was one of the leading players in the modernist literature movement of the early 20th century, and she was part of the Parisian avant-garde scene as well. La-dee-da, look at her. And while in Paris, get this, she hosted a kind of dinner party. They were called salons to everyone who was anyone back then. They all turned up. Picasso, Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Matisse, they all met there to chat. I'd imagine fairly enthusiastically and and (laughs) gin-soakedly all about art and literature. Now, after the outbreak of World War II, Gertrude and her life partner, Alice Toklas, uh, they fled for a quiet country home on the east of France. They got away from Paris. And in 1934, a piece in the New Yorker magazine described their lifestyle and the routine while they were there. They said that Gertrude would wake every day at 10 in the morning and she drank coffee, which she didn't want, but she was forced to have. This was because she was of a nervous disposition. (laughs) I love old age terms uh, for conditions and diseases. Uh, and, And although the doctor prescribed coffee... That's, that's right, a medical person telling you to drink coffee. I think I need to switch GP. Anyway, Gertrude uh, thought it would make her even more anxious, so she hated glugging it down every morning. And then she would get to work and she would write, but she didn't do this on a desk in a normal office. No, that was far too ordinary for someone in the Parisian avant-garde movement. Uh, no, Stein liked to look at cows and rocks. And apparently, her partner Alice would drive her around for hours and hours in their Ford until they found a good spot full of cows and rocks. And Gertrude would then whip out a chair, pull out a notepad and a pencil, and she would sit down and write while looking at the cows and the rocks. Now, this is the best part. Um, Alice would occasionally have to force a cow into Stein's vision 
She did so much for love. Uh, but if it wasn't sufficiently, I don't know, black and white maybe, they would have to move on to a new field. And they did all this for around 15 minutes worth of writing. As soon as Gertrude got the inspiration, she furiously started working, but it never really lasted for that long. In her autobiography, she said that she never wrote for more than half an hour a day. Otherwise, it would be over far too soon, and this way she could be writing day on day, year on year. Now, before we get back to our chat with Jerry Rose, let me very quickly flag up the best place to find all the old episodes of Writer's Routine, uh, to get in touch with the show, send a message, or to just waste your time at work. I don't know, maybe if YouTube's down. Uh, get to my brand new website. It is writersroutine.com. On there, we've got a backlog of the series so far. Uh, it's available for any means that you fancy, and it's all in bright red, so it's nice to look at. What more do you really want? Uh, it's online. Get to writersroutine.com. Let's do it then. Part two of our chat with Jerry Rose, author of the Elliot Thriller series and the Mole Man books for kids. We talk about how he makes sure that he's keeping the kids' attention in his writing, how he knows what language he needs to use where, and how he feels about whether he's creative or not. The embarrassing part for me is, is I've discovered later than in life than I would have probably liked to do is actually... I'm quite a creative person. I didn't think I was creative. I was very structured. I did maths and economics at university. I've always been a very sort of that way human being. So feeling comfortable even talking to you about the voice in my head feels awkward. Because <laughs> it's, it's Jerry. I don't, you know, I can't. I, you with me? It's just not sort of something I'm comfortable with. And I don't want to sound arrogant in that way. It's just, it's just the way it works for me. And I've taken the pressure off myself by not having a detailed plan and letting the thing evolve. What prompted you to discover that you were creative? I think storytelling in my day job, because one of the things I started to realise as a management consultant is, so, so I, I travel across Europe, I've worked in the States, I've worked in the Far East, so you're, you're, you're working often with people of different cultures, different first language, not English, etc, etc. So if you go in and you start talking theoretical management speak, often you lose your audience. So every time, if I'd be on a plane going to New York or something, I'd think, right, how am I going to open this up so that they sit up, put their pens or their phones down and engage with me? And I found the best way to do that is just tell a story about business or, you know, whatever. Um, and then even the most cynical, hardened business people can't not engage with the story. And the other thing is in the way I work with them is to find a way to get them involved in the work really quickly. So I'm not a management consultant who does things to people. I'm a management consultant who does things with people. So I'll, I think they have the solutions to a lot of their own problems. And the same with the books. It's like, you know, so, so I, I thought, well, actually, I'm quite, people, I meet people afterwards, you know, on the business side of my, of my career, and they'll say, well, we were talking about you the other day, remember that story you told us? And I thought, I'm going to be the business consultant that people say, he was a great storyteller. <laughs> Why don't I just be a storyteller too, as, as, as well? So I've never written a business book. I'm not interested in writing a business book. I grew up in Edinburgh, and Edinburgh's famous for you know, writers, they just fallen out. Every, everywhere you go, there's a plaque to a writer, Robert Lee Stevenson, everyone. And I thought, one day I'm going to write books. I was just fascinated by the idea of people writing books, you know, just sharing their imagination with you in a way that is just very physical for me. I love books. 
And I think my training as a writer is in the books I've read. So I've probably read two, three, four thousand books in my life. You know, never, I've never not got two books on the go. Two? Yeah, I'm always reading, always reading. Um, on a plane train, I always have books with me. I'm always reading. Before I was 10, probably, I thought I will write books in my life. Never shared that with anyone. At school, secondary school, when I was doing English and stuff, I could write good stories. I just was able to. So when I became out of university and started working, and people said, we need a proposal for this, or could you do this? I was, it, it took me 10 minutes. It, writing a letter or a proposal, just I could put sentences together, words together. Now, the trick with any content, really, uh-huh. uh, I've learned, is you want to get most of what you can away in the shortest possible time. Yeah. As in, no one likes things that are baggy. No one yeah. likes things that are over long. Uh, writing for kids, if it's 55 pages, if it's uh-huh. 10 odd thousand words, uh-huh. you need to be really focused about being concise with your language, about yeah. hitting yeah. the plot points on the nose when they're meant to be. How much thought do you give to that? Very like the thrillers. So it's like, write the section, see where that takes us. Write the next piece, see where that takes us. Write the next piece. In all, all the books, the thing they have in consistent is they, they write from different perspectives. I'm fascinated by what motivates people to behave in ways. You know, so the whole concept of personality, behaviour, motivation really interests me. Finding what the motivation for behaviour is is really interesting to me in both my professional life and in the, the, you know, my day job and my writing work. And I'm also quite fascinated by people who get away with bad stuff. And that happens every day. People getting away with bad stuff a lot more than we imagine. You know, they, mm. they go to get found out. So I don't worry about having tidy endings of things because the world's not like that. You know, we would like it to be tidy. It's not. So rinse doesn't end with a tidy ending. It ends and there's no tidy ending. And I think that's, that was a surprise to me. Let me just touch on the language very quickly mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it, it opens with a phrase from Urban Dictionary. Uh-huh. That's where the title uh-huh. rinsed uh-huh. comes from uh-huh. and you explain what that means. Uh-huh. Uh, how much research are you giving to characters that are nothing like you are as Jerry and how they're speaking, how they're acting? Or are you just simply making it all up? Or uh, I know we've had the distinction uh-huh. between fact and fiction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How close to fact are the characters acting? I'm a great asker of the question, what are you thinking right now? I ask that question two, three, four, five times a week with my kids, with people I work with, and they go, well, why? I say, I'm just interested. Just tell me what you're thinking. And they just tell me what they're thinking. I go, okay, that's helpful. And you get tuned back in. So I'm fascinated by what people think. So, it's, so you know, the, the young black footballer I talk about in Rinsed, he's got... OCD, so he's just very compulsive about neatness and tidiness and whole, and he becomes obsessive with things. Now, I think I've got a little bit of that, a, a tidiness in me. You know, one of my daughters is very OCD in terms of, she's a training to be a solicitor, so she's very structured, very tidy. You open her drawers at home and it's like embarrassingly tidy. So, I th- so I'm interested in characters who, who are like that and what it does to them and the whole obsession thing. So he gets obsessed in so many different things as the book evolves because of what's happened to him. And have I researched it? Yeah, probably when I'm going through, I Google something or say, you know, what, how does that look? How does that behaviour manifest itself? And have a look at it. You know, I was on the train this morning and I was thinking, I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder what she's reading right now. I wonder what she's, 
what she's going to do. We've talked around rinsed, mm-hmm. um, and, and you've given us the tease that it's it's two weeks uh, that will mean London is never the same again. Finally, just talk more about that. Then, what what is the book? It starts with um, the death of a young woman in the prologue, and that so it describes the the killing of this young woman in the middle of London. Um, Two years after the the 2005 seven seven week, um, and then the the detective is reviewing that killing, and he realizes he's met this woman before from a previous thing. So we go back to tell the story of 2005, and then we follow the interconnectivity of that story across so many different people and different families and different all connected through um, a business relationship they have. So this the business gets introduced. And, and a lot of it just spirals out of control. You know, there, there's people having extramarital affairs that they regret. There's things that's happened. There's the, the, the killing of a, of, of a spouse happens. There's a whole range of things that happen. And then it's how people react to that in their lives. And it's all done in the context of London in the mid-2000s. What would compel somebody to do that, whether it's you know, being involved in the Olympics or anything like that. But, they, you know, the four kids who went and blew those carriages up on the underground and the bus in Tavistock Square, you know, if you're a policeman, how do you cope with stuff like that? You know, how do you, you know, and this guy was Irish, so his, his, his first chapters of his, his career were in Northern Ireland, mopping up the mess of terrorism. He's got to, you know, near the age of retirement and suddenly this new form of terrorism arrives in his life in London that he, nobody was expecting. And just trying to give it some sort of context, but actually real true stories around it. So that is it for this week's episode. A huge thanks to Jerry Rose and his beautiful Scottish tombre. Uh, you can get the second book in his Elliot series right now. I've actually left a handy link for you to pick it up. Dead simple. On the website, it's writersroutine.com. And while you're there, you can send me a message. It's the best place to listen to all of our old episodes. Uh, you can do that on iTunes as well, on the podcast store. And that... It, by the way, is the best place to leave us an iTunes podcast store review, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, get there. Leave us five stars. I would really appreciate that. Right, next week, our guest on Writer's Routine is James Wilde, who is the author of the Hair Award series. So if you love your fantasy historical fiction, make sure you're here for that. I will see you then next week on Writer's Routine. Bye. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 